Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Lacrosse fans, what's up? It's Jake Elliott with you for episode... Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer with you for episode number 50. That's, I'm no chartered accountant, but I believe that is half of 100. 50 episode coming at you, Evan. Uh, I can't believe we've done almost a full year of this, uh, but here we go with episode 50. Welcome back. Two away from the full year, and to think where the game was a year ago, mm. um, you know, you and I knew about the troubles going on between the NLL and the PLPA. The fans were just starting to find out about this point in time, and we didn't know if we were going to have much of a podcast for a season at that point. Uh, so to know we got some labor peace and we got a season to look forward to, a uh, whole different onset coming to this season. Yeah, and uh, we're going to kind of check in with the PLPA uh, in a few weeks' time, and hopefully we'll get uh, the big boss, the commissioner, on just before the opening game of the regular season kicks off as well. Uh, but we do have a fantastic – I'm so looking forward to this uh, this program. Two guys we've never talked to before here on Lacrosse Classified, Evan. We'll have the general manager of the New England Black Wolves coming up in one rich list. And he'll be coming up in, oh, I want to say, about uh, 45 minutes from now. And another guy that we, we've tried to get on before, but we got him this time. He is the owner and the general manager of the Halifax Thunderbirds. As we're going alphabetical, we've done Colorado, we've done Georgia, we've done Calgary, we've done Buffalo. We're on to New England and Halifax. Kurt Styers will join us here on the program coming up in about 15, 20. I am really looking forward to the conversation with both of these guys. Yeah, and Kurt Styers rarely grants interviews, so this is a rare chance to actually hear from him. But I'm really excited about this Halifax market. This is something that I've been pushing for, I think, for three years. More from an expansion standpoint, but the fact that a team relocated there just as good. And I think Halifax has the potential to be another Saskatoon in this league. It very well may be. Um, I think they've been received very well there so far. I think they got good buzz around there. They kind of they kind of jumped the the shark a little bit on the CFL as well as they've been kind of on the fence and whether to get into that market or not. And I think it's the perfect time for the NLL to get into Halifax, get the jump on the CFL, create the buzz. And listen, they're going in there with a, a pretty established roster as well. Um, so it's not going to be an expansion expansion situation where they're going in kind of behind the gun. They got a lot of good players going into their, their first year there in Halifax, and that's only going to help them. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the first problem with the CFL is they don't have a stadium in mm. Halifax. Yes. Yeah. And St. Mary's Stadium only holds about 1,000 people, so it's just not viable. But actually, the CFL-NLL thing 
works actually pretty good. Well, the seasons match up perfectly. Exactly. And in Saskatchewan, you know, you don't have to choose are you going to the rider no, game or it's rider go. season and then it's rush season. Right. And you can wear the same color all year long as well, which is always Oh, great. no, 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 no. We we point the people in the crowd that are wearing rider green. It's like, go to the merch booth. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I, hey, listen, I saw I saw Benny Mac jersey at the Riders game uh, a couple of weeks ago. I took a little snap, sent it to Ben, and said, hey, look, at, you got a fan in the crowd here uh, proudly wearing a number 90 Saskatchewan Rush jersey at the Riders game. Uh, before we get into our Stampede Tack season previews, I forgot to mention Stampede Tack last week, and good thing our, our, our friend Kevin Michael Winkler is such a good guy because uh, he could have he got after me a little bit for that, but didn't. Um, so I, I apologize. I missed Stampede Tax read last week, so I want to get that in there right off the top. They are your complete source for boots, motorcycle, leathers, and gear. Summer riding season is over, but the fall and winter riding season, people still out there on their bikes, Evan, especially with gas prices these days, you need some good gear when you're out there riding your bike in the rain go to stampede tack or shop online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local and get yourself outfitted for uh what it's just a miserable day here in vancouver evan i don't know what it's like in saskatoon but it's been raining cats and dogs for days it's sunny but it's cold like it was what minus three last night but wow um well we're not there yet but you know, I guess gas prices in Saskatchewan and gas prices in BC, like, what are you at right Oh, now? God, man. It depends what day it is, uh, and I don't want to get all riled up here talking about gas prices on our podcast, but, I like, the highest I've seen it in the last couple of days was 163. 163, Evan! <laughs> it's 114 in, oh, in both of Saskatoon. Listen. I went to Costco and got it for a buck four today. So. Oh, my God. Oh my god! I might just drive to Saskatoon to fill up. Like it might be worth it now. Oh, it's cheaper in Calgary, actually. Oh my god! Well, uh, election night uh, tonight, as we record here on a Monday, Evan, uh, a Monday morning. I got up super early today. I got a bit of a weird day. I'm taking my daughter tonight, which I normally don't do on Monday. We're recording earlier than we normally do. Monday is a big workout day for me, so I got up super like crack of dawn. Got a little breakfast into me. Off to the. I took a spin class this morning, Evan. I walked up sixty flights of stairs on the stair climber. Got in a lift. Absolutely pumped up here on a Monday for uh, Lacrosse Classified. And of course, for, for me that just loves the political game and loves numbers. Yeah. Tonight is going to be a fabulous night. And for those in the U.S. that may not understand it, we're electing our House of Commons, which is basically a House of Representatives. But they hold all the power in our system. Yeah. And because we have multiple parties, nobody is going to get a majority tonight. And somebody's going to have to work with somebody to try and make this government work. But where those numbers pop in tonight is going to be interesting. And well, we might, we, might have to do, we might have to do like a separate podcast for election night or something, Evan. Well, we got yeah. to talk some lacrosse here. Um, but do you care to let the fans know who you're voting for here tonight before we get started? Oh, I mean, I've I've made it well known in the past, especially the Harper joke that I'm an NDP supporter, so, but a long time NDP supporter. Yeah, I think I'm going orange as well myself tonight. Uh, the the lady that's 
running in my riding. I actually went to high school with her name is Christina Gower, and uh, I feel like I, I I'm not a huge political guy. I never like I. I honestly, I don't like anybody as far as politics go, but I figure if I'm going to vote, which I want to do because I think it's important, get out there and vote, people. Um, I'm just going to vote for the person I know. Uh, so, And she's NDP. So I'm going NDP for yeah, Christina Yeah, Saskatchewan is a whole different story because the Liberals have almost no support here. Okay. Um, uh, Pierre Trudeau is still a swear word here. So wow. by by Pierre correlation, Trudeau. Justin Trudeau is still a swear yeah. word around okay. here. Okay. So you were literally you were either conservative or you're NDP, and there's not much in the middle. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get on to some lacrosse talk here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, Rich Gliss and Kurt Steyer's coming up. Let's talk about this Halifax roster here before we get Kurt on the line, Evan. Uh, expansion draft losses, Mike Manley and Dawson Thede. Not much uh, being taken away there. Well, I don't want to disrespect them, no. but uh, as far as players lost and the caliber of players lost, to lose Manley and Thede, not the end of the world here for the Thunderbirds. No, it isn't. And the the key with them was that at the trade deadline last year, they went and sold the farm. A wise move. They weren't going to make the playoffs, get the assets you could. And then they didn't have much to protect. And that was the key with their expansion draft was, you know, there wasn't much to pick from. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, and that's that was by design uh, by Kurt. And we'll talk to him about that. Their acquisitions, they get CP, they get Scott Campbell back as he decides to return East uh, for the end of his career. And you can't blame a guy for that who's been in the NLL for as long as he has and doesn't want to travel as much and I think uh, has a has a career set up with the Thunderbirds once he's done there as well. So Soupy back to, well, uh, back to where he belongs, I suppose. Chase Martin, Leland Palace, Jake Lazor, Rowan Kelly, and one Dana Jackson being picked up uh, for the Thunderbirds here, Evan, as I pull my tongue <laughs> yeah. out of my cheek here. Congratulations <laughs> to Kyle and his brand new wife, Dana Jackson, who does uh, all the social media for the Thunderbirds. Yeah, big congratulations. And uh, they've moved, both of them have now moved to Halifax. So it's great to have, you know, a player in market. And for some of these markets where not a lot of players live nearby, this is crucial. I know this is something Bruce Urban has really been pushing the button on this year to get guys living in markets. So yeah, and they're going nice to move. too, right? Who they got? They got the the man rocket, Mac Diesel, uh, Ryan McLean in town. I think Connor Robinson's going to spend the year there. Uh, Holden Garland, I believe, as well. So there's going to be a number of uh, rush players living in town, which they haven't really had in years past. And of course, Jeff Shatler moved to Regina right. for yeah. for work reasons. So. Absolutely. All right, we're on to the Thunderbirds here right now. Departures from Halifax head coach Mike Hazen, who stays in Rochester to coach the Nighthawks. Angus Goodleaf and the veteran Pat Saunders. Uh, again, you know, they lose their head coach. That's that's a big deal. Mike Kersey takes over behind the bench for the Thunderbirds. But as far as losing players go, Goodleaf, Saunders, I, I mean... Yeah, but I mean, not a huge deal. Not not massive because Warren Hill at the end of last year established himself as the num- clear number one goaltender for them. So Angus Goodleaf moving on, maybe getting a better chance in New York now. Of course, that's if he's healthy to play. That's 
still up that for we debate. don't know yep. yet. So, um, but you know, good on him taking a, a chance of getting a, a starter spot somewhere else. Um, Rochester's going to or sorry, Halifax. Is, I know. It's gonna be yeah, stuck yeah, I know. I know. It took uh, uh, it took but, about a year to get Edmonton out of my mouth and start seeing Saskatchewan. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, Halifax is going to be just fine with Warren Hill in that. Uh, draft picks really actually like their two draft picks. They pick Clark Peterson, who I was really trying to convince Jammer and, and Bruce to go after at number four. I like him that much. He goes number five overall to Halifax, and then they get the defender, Trevor Smith. So a couple of a Brampton boys go into Halifax, so they pick up uh, kind of a, a right-handed forward. Tra- I, I Maybe Clark fits into a transition role in the National Cross League. I'm not sure, but Trevor Smith, uh, real solid out of the back end, left-handed tranny guy as well. Uh, that ends up being a compensatory pick, and I like those two picks as well from uh, Kersey and Stiers. Yeah, the compensatory is for losing Matt Dins. Now, that's still, they're never going to be able to recover a, a talent like Vince back, but um, you know, you get, they get a first rounder actually after this season as well for that. So they're going to try and get something back for it at least. Absolutely. Uh, other couple of notes here about the Halifax roster. Final year of a 10-year contract for Cody Jamison. I remember when Jammer signed that 10-year contract, and I can't believe he's on his last year of it. Uh, scheduling quirks. Four of the first five, and s- you read this to me, Evan. What is this here? So four of their first g- five games are at home. Six of their first nine are at home. They don't have many. They have what? Si- I believe it's six out of the last eight are on the road. Wow. Now, here's why this is critical. The last two years, they've been slow out of the gates. In 2018, they were able to recover. Yeah. Took the rush to game three of the finals. In 2019, they weren't able to recover. So they're not going to be able to afford a sluggish start like they've had the last couple of years. So you don't have the home games to, so to kind try of similar, and catch up. It's kind of similar to Colorado and, and their front-ended loaded schedule as well. Yeah, although the difference there is Colorado actually has a lot of home games towards the end of their schedule. Okay. The issue is just they only have two in April, right? So gotcha. they got to be ahead going into that. Halifax's issue is... They they just don't have the home games, and their last two games are quite the trip where they're in Halifax on a Saturday afternoon and then have to fly to uh, Atlanta to get to play the Swarm Sunday night. So, And just to round out the Halifax Thunderbirds talk here before we get Kurt Stiers, well, we're going to talk quickly about New England as well, but uh, some other... Notes here on uh, Halifax, just to give you a bit of a comparison. Population in Halifax, over 400,000. 270 in Saskatoon. Almost a million in Nova Scotia, 1.1 in Saskatchewan. Just to kind of give you uh, a bit of a a gauge on what the population is going to be there. Scotiabank Centre holds over 11,000 people. And they do have some other teams in the city, in the Mooseheads of the CHL uh hurricanes of the national basketball league halifax wanderers of the canadian premier league that's soccer and of course st mary's of u sports so a great sports town there in halifax i think they're really going to take to the game of lacrosse and uh, i think they got the right team and the right owner there to kind of captivate that audience as well we're going to talk to kurt Styers about it all but let's move on to new england here evan 
Expansion draft losses, and this one's got a sting a little bit for, for Rich Liskin company. They give up a first-round pick to get Alexis Bouquet, who really didn't pan out there in New England, and now is gone, as Doug Jameson will be the starter there. And then they lose Tyler Digby as well, and you kind of look and see, oh, Mike Manley and Dawson Thede for Halifax. This is way more impactful for this Black Wolves roster to lose I don't want to say a proven starter in the NLL because he never has really been able to be that, but a serviceable goaltender in Alexis Bouquet and a good right-handed power forward in Tyler Digby. Yeah, the difference with Bouquet is he's got games in his resume, right? He may not be the greatest goaltender. He's not going to be your top, in a top five goaltender, but he's got experience. And amongst the other goaltenders that were available – that was really the, the guy with the most experience. Digby, New England was you know hurting up front as it was to lose him. Not helpful, but the, he's from Pittsburgh, which is part of the attraction, so he's not far away. And he's also very close to being a free agent. So if, if it's, it's not as big of an impact as you might think it is. Acquisitions for the Black Wolves. They go out, they get Jordan Durston from New York. Jared Newman, who is a long pole, has never really played in the box game, but is an absolute weapon and an athlete to behold. Uh, he'll get a tryout. B-Rabbit, my man Brendan Fowler, face-off specialist as they lost Fournier, so they bring in a face-off guy in Fowler. Uh, we'll see how he responds kind of getting his second crack at an NLL team great face-off guy has a lot to learn about the box game and what to do once the ball is in his stick after winning a face-off I think was kind of the issue for Fowler and obviously needs to work on his defensive skills as well uh, and the John Hopkins product Joel Tinney uh, who was with Orangeville in the 2016 Minto Cup and real dynamic players picked off of uh, Georgia or was he picked off of Georgia, or was he just left unprotected? Traded. 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 Okay, so there you go. So Joel Tinney, Brandon Fowler, Jared Newman, Jordan Durston, their acquisitions. UFAs re-signed my man, the champ, Andrew Suter, their captain, Brett Manny, and Joey Rez gets franchised here for the Black Holes. Critical to get those guys back. You never know with unrestricted free agents what's going to happen. Um, and... If you go back to Fowler, I think his biggest issue is he's more of a true Fogo oh, than yeah. anything else. And there's not really much room for a Fogo. And if you look at Philadelphia, who probably has the closest thing to it, they're working hard on trying to get Baptiste's defensive game down so that he's not a true Fogo, right? So Yeah, well, you got to have it, man. Like, you can't have a guy on your roster, especially with just 17 runners, that is strictly... A face-off guy, because he's, number one, he's not going to win every single draw for you, so he's going to have to go back and play some defense from time to time. But guys get taxed, it's a long year, and you got to have a guy that's able to come out of your back end and take reps playing defense that's just not sucking up a roster spot taking face-offs. You can't have it anymore. You used to be able to do it, no. but you can't anymore. No. And I also like the acquisition of Newman. I think that there's a lot of potential there. He doesn't have a lot of box experience, but he's one of the best defenders in the field game. Yeah. So if he can learn how to use the short stick, he's got a weapon of a shot. Oh, That's man. the one crazy thing. Like Absolutely. If you're in transition, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. I think he was at 107 miles an hour at the All Star Game for the PLL. Yeah, and he's so. big and athletic and uh, a little nasty as well. Departures here for the Black Wolves. David Brock. Uh, what what's the nickname that <laughs> that the Brock star goes by? Yeah. Mister Delicious or something like that. You know what I'm talking about here, Evan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Miss Violet's nickname there, uh, <laughs> Mr. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Matt David Brock. Mr. Delicious uh, departing. Joel Coel, who's a holdout list. I expect him to get re signed. We'll talk to Rich about that. They lose their faceoff man. We mentioned Ryan Fournier and the rights to Miles Jones as I look to the heavens and pray that he reports to his new team for a tryout. Uh, Riptide? Is he with the Riptide? Now he is, right? That's right. He, he was traded. As part of the Durston deal, right? So, well, uh, we're going to talk to Philly and New York next week. We'll uh, we'll inquire about one Miles Jones as well. Uh, draft picks, a bit of a shakeup in the draft. Is everybody thought Andrew Q was going to go number one, and he ends up going number three as Tyson Gibson ended up going number one. So the Black Wolves probably thinking they were going to get a righty forward, end up getting the best lefty forward in the draft in Q. Uh, I, I don't mind this here for New England. I think they needed help on yeah. both sides of the ball up there, and I think Q's going to fit in nicely with LeBlanc and, and O'Connor, and uh, we'll see how it goes there, but I, I don't mind the pick from Q. Yeah, they're not as deep on the, the righty side, which is why Gibson probably would have been the better fit. But to switch it over and play three lefties, two righties, is it a big deal? No, if you got a great player. Q's biggest downside is he's not the guy that's going to get in the middle, down yeah, and Durston, dirty. Durston is there, Evan. Right. He's, he's the guy exactly. that's going to go inside and open up Q. Uh, yeah. So I think that's going to be a nice little mix but, there. Yeah, the other nice thing for New England, they did not have many draft picks. And when they traded Kevin Crowley, I mean – to lose Crowley is is a big loss, but he was he was wanting to go home. They get two first rounders, and here's the first one. And you know, well, they're the probably thing, going to get something in the top five, top sure. seven with the other one. So they're sure. gonna. This is a pretty good deal in the end. For and, them. and I think the other thing it does is I don't I don't necessarily think Crowley and Crawford and their their two styles of play really meshed all that well. They're both guys that want the ball in their stick all the time. And now that's kind of cleared up. It'll be Callum Crawford's offense to to kind of quarterback and distribute there on the on the left side for the right-hander Crawford now. Yeah, and of course, Callum Crawford probably would have been the MVP had it not for, been for the mid-season incident last mm-hmm. year. So, mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, I think everybody's learned something from that experience, including Callum, and I don't expect to, to see Showtime have another repeat performance of, of what we saw there last year. Uh, scheduling quirks here, Evan. They start with two games on the road, then six straight at the casino. Six of their last eight on the road. Only four Sunday home games this year. Four on Saturday. They love their Sunday. I love the Sundays in New England as well, Evan. Uh, and they're always oh, successful on those Sunday games as well. But only four this week or this year. Yeah, I love the Sunday games too. And I think they'll probably do a little bit better on the Saturdays. The difficulty always was there were concerts booked there on Saturdays for mm-hmm. the casinos. So well, that and um, like, like the people that come there to the resort 
are usually coming for a Friday, Saturday night, go home on Sunday as well, right? Right. Right. But the, those Sunday games were a massive advantage to them in the past. Huge. They won so many of them because other teams were not used to flying in on Saturday, having the two-hour bus ride uh, to get there, or in Buffalo's case, seven-hour bus ride to get there. And, you know, coming in a little tired. So those Sunday games helped them, but... They don't have as many of them this year. No, no. I, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? I think it's going to be better for them attendance-wise for those Saturday night games, but I think their home floor advantage goes away a little bit with not having as many of those Sunday games. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll talk to Rich Lisk about that. Why don't we do that, Evan? But first, we're going to talk to the owner and the general manager of the brand-new Halifax Thunderbirds, and it's coming up next right here on your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. This is Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Steve Dietrich, General Manager of the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. You just heard from our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, Sean Ashworth, Tosh Nishimir, and the gang down there in Coquitlam. The best in the business when it comes to making labels and packages, associated-labels.com, or their social media is at Associated LP, one of our fabulous sponsors here on Lacrosse Classified. Please support them to keep the podcast going. It's Jake Elliott at 7 Sheminar with you, and now joined by a first-time guest on Lacrosse Classified. He is the owner and the general manager, well, was the general manager of the Iroquois Nationals as well, but he's the owner and the GM of the Halifax Thunderbirds. i got to get used to saying that still, the Halifax Thunderbirds. It's Kurt Styers on the program. Kurt, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. It's a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time, Kurt. We've kind of chatted here and there, whether it be in Rochester or around the league when we've crossed paths, but we've never had a chance to kind of have an extended conversation. So I'm really looking forward to this one and appreciate you taking some time for us here on Lax Class. Um, I imagine lacrosse is, is just born into your blood, so I don't want to ask you how you got started in lacrosse, but I want to ask you, why you were so passionate about lacrosse? Well, growing up, I played I played all the way up through through minors and up through seniors. Played for the Iroquois Nationals uh, when they toured England in the beginning of their Iroquois Nationals, and from that time it just it just uh, grew. And there was a time in my in my day that I had an opening to to expand uh, into lacrosse in a more formal way. And I got involved with uh, Six Nations, Six Nations Arrows, in probably like 1998. And rest is history, you know. Just uh, just took it, took it one step at a time, and just got better every day. And 
it was it was a good experience. And now that that's interesting that you go back with the Nationals all the way to England. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Kurt, but is this this is the same year that the Nationals got back to England and they didn't have the anthem, and that is when the Haudenosaunee anthem that we hear today was kind of born from Orrin Lyons and and Jeff Palace. Yeah, that was that was a that was a pretty good look at that. I wasn't too involved with the national anthem, but you know, a lot of the players really look forward to that hearing that national anthem. They they have a lot of pride and a lot of respect for that for that song when it's being played. Of course, you're moving the team from Rochester to Halifax this year. It's a move that I really, really support because I think Halifax is this one market where there's just an underserviced sports market like Saskatoon. They should be able to take this, they cling to it, make this team their own. Tell us how this deal came about and what the hype is like in the city at the moment. Well, we'd have to go back a few years, a few years ago, like when uh, George Daniels was a commissioner. He was, they were exploring that Halifax in 2007. They had the world indoors there and the impact that the world indoor had in 2007 was incredible. Like the amount of people there, the the way the city embraced it. But then later on, there was Brad Bannister, who was the owner of the Roughnecks. He says, Kurt, if you ever get a chance to go to Halifax, you got to do it. Then, you know, Jamie Dalwick come up. He said, we need more teams in Canada. You should go, you should take a team to and get it in Halifax. So at one point, there was uh, about three or four of the Canadian teams, and I was going to join forces with them and and start up a, a team in Halifax. Well, I think it's and, fast. Uh, Sorry, Kurt, continue. And uh, Bruce Urban, he was another 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 um, another one that says, you got to go do it. You got to. You got to give it a try. Then, when the opportunity arose to um, to move to Halifax, it was like a the perfect storm. You know, like like when um, New England come in, like we had opportunity to go to Mohican Sun. You know, I love Rochester. We had a lot of success there. They had very passionate fans there, but it was this wasn't. Uh, we we took the team as far as we could in Rochester, um, finance financially. And we we just needed to um, expand the uh, expand the horizons for us. Yeah, and I, and I honestly think you know Halifax. It's got the perfect size building. It's a market that's really starved for professional sports and uh, a a great First Nations community there as well. That I think is really going to support the the team and the game. And and I really, by the way, uh, the jersey colors and designs and the scheme and everything, Kurt. Uh, ten out of ten, man. Like beautiful i always i always love the nighthawks jerseys and that has clearly carried on to the halifax uh jerseys as well as we speak with the general manager and owner of the halifax thunderbirds kurt Styers. and i want to know where this this idea came for the canoe trip from rochester to halifax now i don't, I don't want to mislead people because i saw you in langley during the world championships so you you were not a canoe for the, the amount of length of time that that maybe it portrayed but i i still think it's just a marvelous idea and, and a, a just a, a great concept but i want to know how that idea kind of came to be and and tell me about the experience of actually going through that yeah, well, when the idea come come about with um, moving, I said we said, well, this got to be special. You know, there's not too many teams can relocate 
and be happy to relocate and like and backing up a little bit like with that perfect storm with the pagulas coming in and and uh taking over the franchise or take or build putting a new franchise in rochester it was a perfect storm for us to move from there to halifax and we said well we got to make it special you know like we could get on a could could get on a jet done that already could have got on a could drive there done that already I said, well, let's uh, let's take a canoe trip. We'll move the fire just like they they move the fire with the Olympics. Move it to the next city. So that's what we we done. You know, it, um, July 11th, we had a big ceremony at my house. Played a lacrosse game in the back, and we we left from there. Now, did did somebody plan out the the waterway trip? Like, did you have uh, a navigator with you that? that said, okay, here's the, the path that we're going to take. And I, I know you had, like, different people join you throughout the trip, and you made a few stops along the way, obviously. Um, just talk about the the journey. Yeah, it's um, it was very, very exciting there. It was, uh, well, as far as the maps goes, like, the you know, like the, the Mackenzie Creek goes into the Grand River, and the Grand River goes into the Lake Erie, Lake Erie goes through the Welland Canal. Welland Canal goes into Lake Ontario. Then we took took the north shore of Lake Ontario all the way up to the Bay Quinty Canal. Went through the Bay Quinty, crossed over into uh, the St. Lawrence, and took the St. Lawrence all the way down to um, wow. you know past past uh, Prescott through Cornwall, through Montreal, wow. through Quebec City. <laughs> That's amazing. And we went, and we went to um, River Duluth. That's where we hung a right there, and we went across country about eighty kilometers. And there's a lake there, Lake Sudamakata, that drains right down into the Saint Johns River. And we took the Saint Johns River down to the Bay of Fundy, crossed on a ferry, and uh, from a bit when we got to Digby. It was pretty. The water was too treacherous for me. Like I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't prepared for that kind of water. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask. So, yeah, I was going to ask if there was any kind of sketchy situations or or times when you thought, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, there's there's more than one where where it's it's, it's crazy how how smart fear is, right? <laughs> fear will keep you out of the keep you out of harm's way. Yeah. And when you see water and waves, you know, you get three three foot waves coming your way and you know, it's time to get out of the water. And that's another thing, like with the, when the, like in order to, to do it in a time that we had to do it, we, there was a 50, 50 miles a day that we had to accomplish to get there by October 1st with me going to world indoor games. And yeah. so we had to, we split, we split it with the, the canoe and the, and the bike to get there on time. Oh, you know, sometimes we got, we got, some days we spent all day in the water, like 10, 12 hours a day in the wow. water. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's just fantastic, man. You had the option really of taking your existing team, moving it to Halifax or taking an expansion team to the city. You ought to take your roster, which was in game three of the finals just a year and a half ago. How important was it for you to keep those, that personnel around for the move to Halifax? I really like that. <clears throat> like we worked, we worked hard over the years on collecting our draft picks, and um, 
it, this wasn't this wasn't right for us at the time. You know, the amount of the amount of uh, financial aid or financial offer that was made to us compared to moving a team. The, you know, the offer from the Pagulas to me, but was it wasn't enough to uh, offset the amount of draft picks that we had and that were coming our way. Yeah, so it made more, it made more, made more sense for me to to um, move the whole team. Yeah, and, and, and speaking, sorry, and speaking of those draft picks, you at the trade deadline last year, you were involved in virtually every trade, and you know you you sold a lot of pieces of your team to get pieces for the future, and I look back. You traded Scotty Campbell away. You got a second-round pick, and now you got Scotty Campbell back. So really no harm done there, and you got an asset out of it. You got Chris Bushy for a fourth-rounder, and he just had a phenomenal summer in Victoria. And maybe the biggest piece of this whole thing, you traded Corey, Corey Vitarelli away for Ryan Banesh. Vitarelli didn't sign back in Colorado. You managed to get Ryan Banesh signed for three years in Halifax. How critical were those few days in March to the future of your team? Well, you know, we, we pondered that over the, over the years, you know, like we got, we had a great, great team, 2012, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And we got, we we're really loyal to our, to our uh, players, but that become a fault of ours too. We're loyal to a fault where it was time to, it was time to move on. Time to get new blood into the system. We didn't at the time, but looking looking back, like when we made into those trades, trades that that should have been, I should have been done. You know, maybe four games, five games earlier, because the, the team that was on the floor the last seven games was uh, was a contender. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things as a general manager, Kurt, is to. I think you know in your gut, you know in your heart when it's time to part ways with a player, but you mentioned the loyalty factor, and that's one of the hardest things at a GM because you get a bond, you get a relationship with these guys that you've been around for years and years, and then you kind of start to see the decline, and you know it's the right thing to do to move on, but your heart's also telling you, like, I, I love this guy. I want to keep him around. Is that one of the biggest things you struggle with is is when it's time to move away from a player maybe? Yeah, we certainly had certainly had a lot of sleepless nights. Um, the right thing, you know, like when like when we traded Dan Dawson, we you know we traded him to um, Saskatchewan. To Saskatchewan, he had a chance to win a cup, and he did. Got another ring. I was I was happy for him, but it, it was it's still tough. Even though he got a ring, that's what we all play for. It was it still didn't seem quite right, you know. Worked out for him. You know, he's, he's still playing. And with, um, you know, the other, the other ones, you know, Corey, Corey went to Colorado. He was, you know, he was one of our, one of our favorites there. But, you know, when it's time, time to move on, it's just, just, just that time, you know. One, one thing about our, our team now, you know, like at the end of the season last year, we only had one, one, uh, one player on the, on the whole team that had children. Wow, that was, that was Cody, and yeah. uh, it was it was easier to count the number of players under thirty than it was to count them over thirty. <laughs> and speaking of Cody Jamison, 
going into the final year of his 10-year deal that he signed a decade ago, Kurt, uh, what do you what do you do with your heart and soul when this when this year is up? I don't think you're going to sign him for another 10. Maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> he could play another 10, but uh, very unique deal here for Cody Jamison. What do you see for his future? I think things are bright and uh, bright and sun shining. You know, it's, it's, uh, he accomplished a lot of things, and I think the door is going to be open for him in so many directions. And at this point, um, the players, you know, he, he earned his way to, um, you know, unrestricted free agent. And, and that's, that's the way it goes. You know, we're, we're certainly going to make an offer, offer to him. And, and with us being in Halifax and with him being hours drive from Toronto and hour and 15 minutes from Buffalo, you know, that's, that's who, who will be in Rochester too. Yeah. For, you know, it's three hours. So he, he's got a family now and family's first, you know. You, of course, also lose your head coach, Mike Hazen. And as tough as to lose him, perhaps it's a good time because now you got a, a fairly new roster, a lot of new pieces. So you got a new head coach and Micah Kersey that you, he can take his time and mold the team the way he wants to without a lot of baggage from the past. I would don't want to consider anything any any kind of baggage. You know, we wish Mike Hazen all all the best. You know, we we had discussions about what he wanted to do this coming year, and and he he said he's got to stay home close to his family. So I said, Mike, I said you've done everything you could, everything we asked of you, and whatever you want, you got it. Fair and, enough. Um, yeah, I, like I, you're right, Kurt, and, and and you can't ask anymore. I mean, the guy, the guy delivered three championships for you, and I think that again, being loyal to somebody is sometimes saying, "Do what's best for you, not what's best for me." Even though you want that that guy to stick around. Um, you mentioned the youth on your team. Let's let's talk about your two draft picks that you got, and a guy that I just love. I. I, I think this is a huge steal for you at number five and Clark Peterson. And then you get the left-handed transition man and Trevor Smith, who I think is a heck of a player as well. You got to be pretty happy with, with the two players you got coming out of your draft. Yeah, we were very, very fortunate for sure. Um, I really liked um, Patterson. You know, this all happened, you know, like last year, we are going through, we had a, with Keo going down and Dan Dawson moving. You know that left left us a you know on ball guy that we needed. We're with uh, Pedersen; he can play on ball or off ball, and it's 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 just great to see that. And with the with the transition guys too, you know, like you look at our left handed D, we had at the end of the season, I think we had four four lefty D. So you had a transition guy in in there, and and that's you know that's just the icing on the cake for us done very well at that we're very happy with um the way things fell into our lap there Touch on the uh the nationals a bit so much promise on that team and a lot of things just not going your way thomas hogarth going down lyle thompson missing most of the tournament miles thompson missing the final you got to be pretty proud of the effort these guys put in because they are just one step away from finally taking that world title yeah, we're had a, on paper. It looked like we had a great, great, op, great opportunity to challenge for the championship. 
unfortunately, the ball just didn't bounce our way. You know, uh, Canada had a great team, great players, and it's just uh, it's just too bad that things happened the way they did. You know, it was the injury bug got it come into our into our house there, and we we couldn't shake it. You know, uh, Doug Jameson got you know got hurt in the first game. Yeah, Warren Warren got the flu for most of the tournament. Um, you know, Austin thoughts he got hurt at the end of the year with the uh, middle of the season with San Diego. Um, Johnny, Johnny Paul's had uh, work commitments. Uh, Jeff Shatler, you know, he had, he had to work, work and work commitments also. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, you had, had a lot of those pieces up and, oh, then Lyle got, got hurt in the fir- first game, I believe. You know, took a bad Charlie horse. Miles twisted, twisted his ankle in the game, and I think in the semifinals against uh, right. U.S. No, we had the we had the we had the in- injury bug in our room for yeah. sure. And oh yeah, you sure, stuff. you sure did. Uh, you sure did, Kurt. Uh, and I like I got a, a front row seat to to watch you guys play, and and it was just an absolute honor to to call those games and and to watch the Nationals play and. I got to say, also, you know, I talked about the Halifax jerseys. The the swag table, as the kids say, Kurt, was lined up almost around the entire arena to buy Iroquois Nationals gear. I got myself a, a couple of keepsakes as well. Just fantastic stuff done up there by the Nats. Uh, we're just about out of time here, Kurt, but I, I do want to say I, re- I really appreciate your time coming on, and more so than that, Kurt, uh, I just want to say thank you for, for everything – that you do for our sport and in particular to the indigenous and, and, and six nations people um, for what you do for the sport and, and what you do for them. I don't, I don't think a lot of people really realize the impact and footprint that you have on our game. I certainly do and, and can't appreciate you enough. Uh, so thank you so much for, for coming on the program and thank you for everything that you do for the sport, the national lacrosse league and, and everybody there on six nations as well. Yeah, thank you. Oh, the with the Thunderbirds, with our with our um, when we named the team in Halifax, we won a world award that that day. It was the Chilo Award. I think we got a bronze for that. Well, rightly so. Well, rightly so. No, they are beautiful jerseys. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And, and maybe the one suggestion we you know Jake and I have always said we'd like to see the Iroquois anthem play before games. Maybe this is the perfect opportunity to start that tradition. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I'd really I think the Haudenosaunee anthem should be played before every major lacrosse game. That's 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 my soapbox I stand on and I'll keep banging that drum until it happens, Kurt. So uh if you wanna spearhead that and, and make that happen in Halifax, I'd be over the moon to to see that happen. So uh once again I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the program and, and thank you for everything again, Kurt, uh, for what you do for the sport of lacrosse. Okay, you're welcome. Pleasure being here. Look forward to seeing you soon. That was Kurt Styers, general manager and owner of the Halifax Thunderbirds. Can't wait to see the first game go down in the facts, Evan. Well, I think it's going to be a rounding success. I think nine, ten thousand average attendance is very achievable for the Thunderbirds. Um, we'll see what the product is on the floor. They're they're in tough. They got both Buffalo and Toronto in their division. Um, but you know what? Like I said, this is a team that 18 months ago was in the 
NLL Cup final. Yeah, and you got 88 in your lineup. You're going to have a chance to win every single game that you're playing. So uh, don't count out the Thunderbirds before it gets started here. We're going to take a break, and we're going to talk to another general manager on the other side. It's the captain of the New England Black Wolves, general manager Rich Lisk on the other side. You got it right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Blazer of Team USA and the Philadelphia Wins. You're listening to Lax Class, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class. This is episode number 50. It's Jake Elliott Evan Schemenauer with you. Uh, right there, you heard it. Pure Vital Labs. Anything else would be on sports and like all, you've heard it now, lots, you've heard it 50 times. All natural, informed choice certified, best supplements on the market. Check them out at pvl.com. Or their social media at Pure Vital Labs. Get on the get on the gram, people, and check out Pure Vital Labs on Instagram. They give you all sorts of unbelievable information, recipes on how to use their products properly. It's like uh, it's like ABC. It's so simple. Just get on, check them out. Trust me, you'll you won't regret it. Pure Vital Labs, best in the business. Uh, first timer on the program here. It's general manager of the New England Blackwells, Rich Lisk. On Lacrosse Classified, Rich, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're fantastic. Thanks for coming on. As we go through our Stampede Tax season previews here, uh, we just had a great chat with Mr. Kurt Stiers. Uh, now New England is up as uh, we're going to go through each team for the next several weeks here, and it, it's Black Wolves time. So let's let's talk some New England Black Wolves here, Rich. Um where do you want to start? Let's start with your expansion draft losses. Let's let's work from the negative to the positive. How about that? Alexis Bouquet, who has got to be a bit of a tough soak for you here, Rich. You give up a first-round pick to get Bouquet, and then you kind of you lose him, and you also lose the big fella in Tyler Digby. A couple of key pieces no longer with you. Yeah, those are tough ones, to be honest with you. I thought the first expansion draft, we kind of um... – we're pretty good. You know, we, we, we lost Anthony Jokum, which I didn't want to do, but we lost Matt Rambo, who wasn't a proven player, so we didn't know anything really about Matt. But on this one, you know, this one was a tough one. We did give up a first-round pick for Bouquet, and at the time, I'll give you our philosophy on that, um, at the time, we were, we were rolling with Aaron Bold and Doug Jamison. Boldy was going back to the West, so Dougie um, wasn't a proven, a proven starter at that point, and he didn't have a a great year with us the year before, because only because Boldy probably got the bulk of the, that work and he didn't get into a rhythm with everything. So with that going into the season, we also signed Warren Hill. And I looked at Clarkie one day and I said, listen, if we're in a tough bind and you got to look down the bench and both of your goalies have only played one game, basically between the two of them, are we comfortable? And we weren't comfortable at that point. So we went out and got uh, a guy that we thought was a, was a proven veteran guy. And Alex Bouquet, we had to give up a first rounder, which we did. We had a couple that year um, because we made a trade with Philadelphia for Kevin Crowley. And um, we brought him in here and we said, okay, you guys are going to fight it out for number one. And Dougie 
really took that mantle and ran with it. So yeah. um, we knew by exposing Bouquet, he was probably going to get taken. After Stephen Fryer, you were probably looking at him being the next veteran-type goalie that would get taken. So I wasn't shocked, um, but I do think it was the move we needed to make to, to give us some insurance going into the season just in case. Um, but we don't have a crystal ball, right? And I wish we all did. Um, if I knew then what you know, if you knew then what you know now, you might not do things the way you did it, but sure, I thought yeah. it gave us the best opportunity. <laughs> I think that could um, go for happened. my entire life, Rich. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of things I probably wouldn't do if I knew now what I didn't know then. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. And then we lost Tyler, you know, Tyler Digby. I, I, I really like Tyler. Um, it was actually a funny story. Um, I traded for Tyler once for a brief five minutes before we traded him to Calgary to yep. get Sean Evans. Yeah. And um, so I finally said, Tyler, we got you. And he came in here and resurrected his career. And he was a great human being and he was a great guy to be around and we loved having him. Um, it really came down to um, numbers and it came down to, again, trying to trying to forecast the future. And um, it was between him and a lefty. Um, and you know, on my left side there, we had, uh, Stefan LeBlanc, we got Riley O'Connor, we had Kevin Buchanan, we had Derek Downs. We ran six forwards last year. So we really ran the three with Kevin being our fourth. So Kevin was not coming back and, uh, I had the three there. So I'm thinking, okay, Stefan, you know, I love him, but he he is getting older and father time is coming. So eventually Stefan will, will move on from the game. Like, like I do. So if I lose Stefan because he's moved on now i'm really there with two lefties riley and Derek downs so if i leave Derek downs exposed because i wasn't leaving riley exposed um and he gets picked i could have went into the season (laughs) with just one maybe two lefties and you're thinking okay well that's not good now look on the right side we we traded for joe resoteritz and we got joe callum and digby and um I'm saying, okay, I keep Callum, I keep Joe, because I know if I leave Joe available, he's gone. He's an American, and Reggie's an American, and he's going. So uh, I didn't want to do that. And if they take Digby, I'm a little more deep over there, because we really like Davey Emola, another American guy we had that played well when he was in there. Yeah. So I said, all right, I'm deeper on the right side, so it makes sense to keep the young lefty and go in that direction. And, now, and it's again, interesting if you had a crystal ball. Yeah. Well, I'm just about to say, Rich, like it's interesting how it all kind of ended up playing out in the end is I think everybody was expecting Andrew Q to go number one, but that's not the way it panned out. And and you end up getting the best lefty in the draft and you acquire Jordan Durston as well. And I like I think those two in particular with the style of game that they play, Durston and Q, those guys are just going to mesh perfectly. No, we think the same thing. And, and again, <laughs> I go back to I, I, if you had a crystal ball, right? So you start to think what you need. You start to think about who's going to be available. You start to read the press and everything. And it looked like um, we were going to get a righty or a defenseman in the draft at number three. And the good thing about being at number three is my decision was probably going to be made for me. I didn't have to make that decision. So I was sitting back and kind of watching and thinking I'm probably going to get a righty or, or a defenseman. But at the end of the year, if you would have taken everything and made it a clean slate and asked me what we needed on this team, we needed a lefty shooter. We never, we haven't had one like that before. 
and we needed that threat over there. Stefan's different. Riley's different. Derek Downs is different. We needed that other piece. Um, so, again, any one of those three I would have loved to have. Now we start getting into this, and you don't know if you're going to get that lefty. You're probably thinking, I'm thinking we're going to get the righty or defenseman, so I make the deal for Durst. I made an earlier deal for Joel Tinney, too, thinking, okay, there's a shooter. There's an athletic uh, lefty that I can bring in. He's also young. I can keep him around for the future in case people start to retire or fall off or travel or whatever. So I try to, I try to build those assets. And then we get down to the expansion draft, and they take Digby. Okay, that's kind of what we were thinking. They take Bouquet. Okay. But I'm probably, you know, maybe looks like I'm probably going to get a righty in this whole thing. And Digby goes, and I bring in that righty. Okay, that doesn't make bad sense. And, or, I'm adding a, or I'm adding a stud defenseman in Ryland and stuff. And then as we get closer and closer and closer, now it's starting to play out a little bit more. And, and we, we get Andrew Q. And I couldn't be happier with Andrew Q because if I go back to what I said before, if you asked me way before with a, with a blank slate, what what did this offense need? That's what we needed. Yeah. I just didn't think we were going to get it. Uh, I don't think anybody. And I had to go and and I had to go and fix it to make sure that we were we were covered. Now I agree with what you said. The way Durston plays and the way Q plays, that one-two punch, and you add them with Riley and Stefan, yeah. is is a is a potent left side now, which we really haven't had in a while, and uh, and I'm excited about that left side, and I'm excited about what we needed to do because in the off season, I should back up a little bit. When Clarky and I first got together about five years ago, we said let's start from the back end out. So we made that deal with Evan Kirk to to bring in some picks and bring in John Lafontaine and. We, we painstakingly fixed our defense and we like what we have and we're young and athletic, but now these guys are all signed to multi-year deals and, and they can push the tempo. So I was happy with what we had on D. I, I wanted more offense. So I, we focused I, on the offense this I, year. I can't believe Clarkie didn't want to start with the offense. I can't believe he wanted to start on defense. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about what, think about what I had when we, when we first got here, right? We had a, uh, Clarkie and Jim Veltman. Yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> so those guys, well, hey, why don't we? Why don't we? Talk, I gotta yeah. get. I, I know Evan wants to get in here, but while we're on the subject of Glenn Clark, uh, some news breaking just uh, 24, 40 hours ago. The professor is coming west for this. I don't know. Is he moving out here? Is he just coming for the summer? He is now the head coach of the Burnaby Senior A Lakers. Yeah, we're excited about it for him. Uh, he's been with Toronto the beaches in, in the junior A for a while. And this opportunity came about, we have a uh, Julian Kolb is our scout out there. So Julian's on, course, our calls yeah. on, on Mondays and things. And when we do everything, and he's been a great addition to our staff and uh, they started talking and Clarkie retired from his teaching job this year. He just retired right after the world. So his summers are free. And uh, he loves to travel. His family loves to travel. His wife loves to travel. And this opportunity came up, and he's going to go there for the summer and and, and coach, which is going to be fun yeah. for all of us. Awesome. And it then, gives us eye, another set of eyes out yeah, there, Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, then you get a, a second pair of eyes out here as well, which is obviously beneficial for you. Very excited about it. One of the things that made this whole offensive transition possible was the Kevin Crowley trade. And yeah. you were a little short on draft picks at the time. You get a couple first-rounders, and now you get Q, and you still have one more coming next year, or a couple years yeah. from now. A couple, um, uh-huh. couple years from now, yeah. It's got to be a heck of a deal at the end of the day that you're going to get two young guys that are going to make an impact in your club. 
I'm excited about it. I mean, but listen, trading Kevin Crowley is a, uh, it's a tough thing, right? He, um, I was with Kevin in Philly when we were there. I was there with Philly for two years. I know Kevin personally. It made sense for him to stay at home. Um, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, we needed to make the right decision. I wasn't going to just send him to Philadelphia for nothing. That was never going to happen. Um, we needed to do what was right for the organization. And, uh, and Philly came to the table with what we were looking for. Um, we really wanted a first round pick in this last draft, which is what we got. And, um, listen, everyone wants one in 220, but those ones are few far between because <laughs> yes. of what's going on. Uh-huh. So, uh, I took the next best draft, which was, was, was the one after that. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, and I do think those are building blocks we needed to, we needed to bring in here. Um, I've had this conversation with a lot of different people and we took over when, when we got to New England. I mean, we went four and 14 and we didn't have many picks and we didn't have many of any really, you know, the assets we were looking for. So there's a couple of ways to rebuild this team. We could have dumped all the assets that we had and built through the draft for a couple of years, but that's tough, right? Going to a new ownership group and saying, Hey, by the way, believe in what we're doing, but for the next two or three years, we're not going to be very good. Try to sell tickets to that. Yeah, That wasn't an option. So we had to strategically um, trade some assets and make sure we were getting back the right pieces. We had to make some really good free agent signings. And uh, any trade we did had to make some sense. I know that sounds cliche because that's what everyone wants to do. But with us, it was the only way we could have rebuilt this team to get us back to the playoffs. And, and I'm happy in the last four years, it's us and Georgia are the only two teams in the East that have made the playoffs every year. Wow. We just got to get over that hump now and get a championship going. Yeah, I don't, They got I, us on that round. I did not know that. I did not know that last yeah. four years you and Georgia were the only teams to make the playoffs every year. Uh, one guy that you don't have in your stable right now that I would expect you to probably lock up here before camp or shortly thereafter is, is one of your young defenders in Joel Coyle, who's on the holdout list right now. Uh, any insight or intel that you can give us on, yeah. on what's happening there? You know, Joel is uh, Joel was under contract for uh, last year we were negotiating and then Joel and I had a long talk. I want to preface this by saying I love Joel Coyle. I think Joel Coyle is a, is a class human being and a great person and he's become the friend. He has decided to take a year off. He's got work. He's got some personal commitments he's dealing with. Okay. So he's going to take this next year off. Um, I will hold his rights and hopefully he will be back. But Joel has been, if you could prototypically pick somebody that you know came into camp worked hard really really forged a, a spot on this team and as we say jojo he's been great for us yeah and uh and and i hope that he comes back after this year well you can't I really do you can't have too many orangeville northman captains on your team as well <laughs> no. uh, you got my boy suits there and, and coil a former captain in his own right and they just they don't just hand that c out to anybody there in the ville no, I joke around. I used to say him and Suits and Mac would sit in one corner, and I'd call him my Orangeville Mafia. And I'd go in and be like, okay, boys, um, how do you think this looks? <laughs> so that, if that side of the room was good with it, I'm happy. One of the acquisitions you made recently that I really like is Jared Newman. And it's a no-risk situation. He's a street-free agent. You pick him up. This guy's a, one of the best field defenders out there. So basically, if he can convert to the box game, You've got a diamond in the rough here. Yeah, I mean, those are guys that you got it with expansion coming. Those are going to be the guys we're looking for, right? And he's and listen, finally, 
finally geography is starting to work in my favor. Like Jared Newman lives in Providence, Boston. Joe Nardella lives in Providence. It lives in Boston. Greg Downing lives in Boston. It's not Toronto, but I'm getting close. Right. I'm getting some of those <laughs> guys that the geography is working. Well, that's for a legit and, challenge for you, though, Rich. Hey, like I mean, the, oh, I've been, I've made is. the trip to the casino a couple of times, and it, like it's a journey from the West Coast for sure. But it's it's no short jaunt from the East as well. And if you can get guys that are close to market or in market, that is a massive bonus for you. Yeah, and one of the things like Jared Newman plays into that. Like the one thing we like about Jared is that. He's a great athlete, and he was a great basketball player. And that translates into our game. Um, basketball translates. Our WNBA coach and, and Clarkie get along very well. and they, they come to our practices, and they watch. And a lot of the game and a lot of the strategies are the same. So if we can get him to get that long pole out of his hand and get a short stick in his hand and, and, and harness that athleticism, he could be, like you said, Evan, like a diamond in the rough. That's one of the reasons – we took a chance at 17 with uh, Zach Goodrich, another Boston kid, plays in the MLL. He's played short stick midi his whole life. He was a three-time captain at at, at Towson. That's hard to do. And um, he's played with that short stick in his hand his whole life. And I'm hoping he translates well for us. And we maybe pick up the next, you know, great American defender like, uh, like Downing and, and uh, Brett Manning. That's what we're looking for. My apologies here. And just as we're <laughs> – literally as we're talking – I get word that you just picked up Tony Malcolm. I was gonna, I was <laughs> gonna break that news on here when we were talking. My I man. just picked up uh, Anthony Malcolm. He got. I, I just, just to give you a heads up, Rich. He likes to go by Tony now, not Anthony. He likes Tony. Tony yeah. So I just to give you a heads up there. Uh, love Tony Malcolm. I think there's another another guy that you know. I think will compete with with Emma for that that fourth righty spot or third righty spot for you. Um, that's that's fantastic, and I think he's got some roots. I think his girlfriend is kind of back in that area as well. So I'm sure geography yeah, had, had a, a, a little something to do with it. it. We had talked today about it when I talked to him. And listen, we've seen him when he was here in the East. He always killed us playing in Buffalo. And um, I wanted another piece over there. Like, um, and, and, and again, when you're trying to put together a team, I, I mean no disrespect to any player, and it's an open camp, and we're going to take the 25 best guys. Um, but over there we had Callum, Joe, Davey, Tristan Ray as a kid we drafted. And I br- I'm bringing in a guy named Greg Downey from the Philadelphia marketplace. Um, I wanted another NLL guy there. And um, he's athletic. He's big. He fits the mold we're looking for. He uh, has the experience in the NLL. And, uh, and it just happened that he was coming here and Dan Richardson and I were talking and I didn't even know he was coming east. And yeah. We were able to pull either. this deal off here in the last couple of days. That's so fantastic. about getting him in the fold. That's fantastic. Last one here for you, Rich Lisk. I appreciate your time here on Lax Class. Sure. Uh, Evan and I always talk about the schedule in New England and how I, like, I, I'm absolutely in love with Sunday lacrosse. Like, I just think it's the, the best yep. thing ever. Hanging out at home. Flip it on, a little daytime action. I love it. And and you guys normally love it as well there on Sundays in New England and have been pretty successful with the record playing on Sundays, but a little different this year heading into this campaign. Uh, just four Sunday games and four Saturday games. And it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I'm sure, Rich, where you're probably going to draw better with Saturday night games with the people coming through the resort. But you guys have been so successful on Sundays. You probably is there a healthy balance there now? Do you think with four and four that way? 
the be- that's the most we've ever had. Um, I think in the past we've had three Saturdays and four Sundays and a couple of Fridays. And, and listen, it's a business about selling tickets too. And, and I get that because in my past life, being GMs of other teams, I also did the business side of things. So I would do the business and the, and the, um, the sporting side of stuff. So I get how to sell tickets and, and, and those, those are important things we need to, we need to put in place. And anytime we can get a Saturday, I mean, I think every team in the league would love to have nine Saturday nights, but we're not going to, especially in a building like ours that's so busy. Yeah. And it is a casino and, and there's an intricacy about things. Um, so I am excited about having those four Saturdays. I'm excited about the Sundays because I agree with you. I think we've kind of cemented that Sunday routine and, um, our fans, again, it's not easy to get to Mohegan all the time and a Sunday afternoon and a Saturday night will help us. You know, it was hard with those Friday nights. Like it's hard on a Friday night game at seven thirty, yeah. And trying to get people in there at seven thirty on a Friday night after getting out of work. Mm-hmm. So the more I can get on Saturdays and Sundays um, makes a lot more sense for us. And I was happy that we were able to get four Saturdays this year. But the other thing that you might not be so happy about is the six straight home games because at the <laughs> tail end of the schedule, six of your last eight are on the road all of a sudden. I know. I know, I know, I know. And that's something I tried to work out. And listen, I give Brian Lemon a, a lot, a lot of credit. I mean, that's a tough thing to schedule all those games and get everyone in and across the country and flying and doing all that, that it's, uh, it's tough, right? And sometimes you gotta, you gotta take some on the chin and, and that one's going to be tough. You know, we have six in the middle there and then six on the road. But I think I said this to, uh, to Teddy, uh, we play really well at home. This is going to be a test for us to learn how to play on really well on the road. Yeah, and, and at, it's something we got to do. And at the end of the day, like we've talked to Calgary, Buffalo, Georgia, uh, we didn't talk too much about the Halifax schedule, but pretty much every coach or general manager is not particularly happy with their schedule. So that means that it's probably going to end up pretty fair for everybody at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, it does. And listen, out of all the jobs in the world, I mean, that's a tough job. Yeah. No, I everybody gets exactly what they want. Yeah. You're never going to keep everyone happy. So, you know, I try to work with Brian and, and get the best we can. And then and then it's up to us. You know, it's no crying and spilt milk. I mean, it's up to us now. we got to win. That's it. Fair enough. Well, I think you've uh, done some pretty nice things getting your roster ready for this season. And I wish you the best of luck with those Black Wolves uh, going into this this campaign here, Rich. And it was uh, it was great talking to you on the Cross Classified. We got to do this again. Hey guys, I'm wide open. I'm ready to go. I, I would love to. Anytime you guys want to, I'm wide. I'm, I'm always available. And I appreciate you having me on. I really do. All right, our pleasure, man. Uh, good luck to the Black Wolves. That was the general manager of New England, Rich Lisk. Two great conversations as usual here on the Cross Classified, Evan. We got one more quarter to go. News and notes are coming up next. You got it right here on Lacrosse All Stars Podcast Network. We're back after this. Hey, this is Jesse King of the Calgary Roughnecks and Victoria Shamrocks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. We are back. This is Lax Class. Thanks for sticking with us here on episode number 50. Thanks to Kurt Styers and Rich Lisk. For those conversations, Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. Fourth quarter time here, Evan. And uh, we like to call this News and Notes. And it's also provided by Stampede Tack in Western Wear. More than just a boot store, they carry a wide range of hats that keep you protected 
Well, from the rain, which it is doing here in buckets in Vancouver, camping, fishing, hiking, you name it, anything you do outdoors, Stampede Tack and Westernware has a hat for you. Visit them. Speaking at, of. Hang on, Evans. Visit them at stampede.ca. Shop, or in Cloverdale, where shopping online is still shopping local. What do you got? Yeah, speaking of Sampy Tack and what we normally do in the fourth quarter, how's that uh, mm, video coming along? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, I was just wetting my whistle there. Uh, I, I I believe this or not. Uh, so I was talking with the Chancellor, Brad Challoner, and he says, well, why don't you just go to a karaoke bar and do it? And I thought to myself, this is going to be so bad that do I really want to subject a live audience to this? Uh, but on the same thing, I think this could be quite epic. So uh, my, my lovely girlfriend, Dania, decided to do a little bit of digging, Evan, and we found out that there is actually karaoke going on Tuesday nights right here in my hometown of Port Coquitlam. Where, well, my hometown, Coquitlam, but where I reside now in Port Coquitlam, they have karaoke on Tuesday nights at the Fraser Arms Pub. So this week... She is in Palm Springs returning tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. So we're not going to be able to get it done this Tuesday. But I'm thinking what I'm going to do, Evan, is I'm just I'm going to get liquored up. I'm just going to get drunk, I think, and, and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do the whole song. I'm going to get up at the Fraser Arms and sing Rhinestone Cowboy to the best of my ability. And, and Dania can record it, and uh, then we can put it out on the Internet for everybody's displeasure. How about so that? next Tuesday, that's the goal. Clinton. That's What's the, the name goal. Of the pub again, right. so that we can have a nice crowd <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want to come out and witness the carnage, uh, I believe we're going to do it at the Fraser Arms Pub. I'm hoping for next Tuesday. If if you're in the neighborhood, uh, get at me and and uh, I'll confirm that next week for you whether that's actually going down. But that right now, I think we have the plan in place now, Evan. Now we just need to execute the plan. And that is tentatively what I am I'm thinking of doing. I can't believe I'm actually thinking of doing it. I, uh, I, I, like, I'm going to have to get up there and just like throw out the disclaimer like, hey, you're about to, your ears are about to bleed. Bear with me for three minutes, because uh, I'm paying off a bet here or something. I got. I'm gonna have to let the people know what's going on. But anyway, so that's uh, that's what's happening with Rhinestone Cowboy. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. News and notes, Evan. Um, some tough news coming into this week. Just getting word yesterday, the president of Semiamu Lacrosse, minor lacrosse, Randy Ellis, passing away suddenly uh, due to a heart attack in. I had a chance to meet Randy, I believe, last year. Maybe it was two years ago up at the BCLAA GM. Just a marvelous man. And, and um, I know I'm talking about my girlfriend a lot, but but Dania is also, her kids are involved with semi-ammo lacrosse uh, out there in White Rock. So uh, this one hits a little close to home. And, and Randy was a, just a beloved man and, and four boys uh, and a wife that he's he's left behind. And just real tough news coming out of semi-ammo lacrosse. And, a lot of uh, outpouring of, of support uh, for Randy, and I just want to give my thoughts and prayers uh, to his family and everybody there at Sammy Emma Lacrosse who's going to have to fill a huge void uh, with, with Randy no longer with us. Somebody that is still with us here at, and is going through a real tough time is the goaltender for the Nanaimo Senior A Timberman and Mike DiGirolamo, who has been diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. 
But, uh, you know, seeing Mike's post on Facebook, he's up for the challenge. He's ready to fight, and uh, he's got a whole community behind him heading into that. So best of uh, luck and, and strength and honor for Mike DiGirolamo and the, and the Nanaimo Timberman organization uh, to, to beat beat what he's about to battle because that's that's not an easy fight to take on, Evan. Never is. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen a few battles like this recently. Um, you know, and you think about it, the Team Canada lacrosse, how many guys have we lost to cancer just there alone? Yep, yep. So uh, best of luck uh, for Mikey, and if you want to give him his well wishes, uh, find, find DiGirolamo on Facebook and uh, send him your support. Uh, I mentioned the BCLA AGM uh, up there in Whistler that goes down every October. I did a little digging. I found out who won the Norm Shaw Award, uh, an award that I've won once in my career, Evan. For the Media Person of the Year in British Columbia, as far as lacrosse goes, my man Owen Monroe, who handles all the social media for the BC Junior A Lacrosse League, is this year's winner. And, you know, he's he's a young guy that loves lacrosse, and he puts in the effort and puts in the time. And I think a, a very well-recognized honor here for young Owen Monroe, who wins the Norm Shaw, prestigious Norm Shaw Award for the BCLA Media Person of the Year. So congrats to Owen. Uh, Hunter's Cup, Evan, 11th annual Hunter's Cup. I haven't got the total amount of money raised yet from my man Steve Hay, but another successful weekend for the Hunter's Cup. Those uh, those boys from the Poon Squad, Evan, that's what they call themselves, the Poon Squad there, featuring the likes of uh, Robert Church, Curtis Dixon, Christian Del Bianco, and others. Uh, pretty tough team to beat, needless to say. <laughs> They win it Who again. Are those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty surreal, honestly, to you know be out there having a game of field across, and then just to kind of look and there's Team Canada's Matt Beers, and there's Del Bianco and Dixon. Like it, it's it's pretty cool, and it's a chance for guys that would never, ever, ever get the chance to play against these guys to yeah. to line up, and that's a huge thrill for them, and it's part of the attraction. For the Hunters Cup, then and all the money goes to Chris Lashenko, who actually resides back there in Saskatchewan, Evan, to go towards his rehab. So, just a fantastic day! Shout out to Steve Hay and everybody involved that uh, puts on that tournament year after year, and it just gets bigger and better. Like it's two days now. When we started this thing out eleven years ago, Evan, it was literally the alumni versus the regular now team of the Coquitlam Beer Hunters and it was like one game and you know we just kind of throw up a little hibachi and turn some music on and it was just kind of like a a way to get together and play a game and now it's turned into like we have like eight teams it's over a two-day period and we're raising thousands of dollars and it's just amazing to see where it started and where it is now and uh, it just keeps getting bigger and better every single year you got to get out here for it one year yeah well, if I could ever get in shape, maybe I got to try and play against those guys. Well, I'm embarrassed hey, myself man. playing against those uh, guys. I, but <laughs> so I remember this was years ago. Now I was going down to Bermuda, and they said, "You know, bring your gear. You need. I need you to play on the team." Okay, and I go out there, and I'm playing with Zach Greer and Rodney Tapp and half the Duke lacrosse team, right? And pretty cool. <laughs> pretty like, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I decided to take playing um, this year off just because, like, my hip's so bad now that if I play a game of lacrosse, I don't walk for about three days. And I don't want to break the routine, the workout regiment, uh, Evan. So I, I took off. I did a little coaching. I did a little watching and, and just had some fun this year, which which was nice. Um, one thing I did see during the tournament, and, 
and it was kind of interesting because I, you know that, okay, like I, I want to preface this, when I was a kid, back in the day, when you spun your lacrosse stick to pick up the ball, we called it an Indian pickup. Are you familiar with this term, Evan? Do you know what I'm talking no. about? No clue. Okay, so so more or less, if there's a lacrosse ball on the ground, you kind of twirl your stick over the ball all in one motion to kind of pick it up. And back when I was a kid, this was known as the Indian pickup. Obviously, that is not politically correct anymore and not something that I want to say. But it is something that I see happen during games. Just saw it on the weekend. And it kind of sparked a discussion like, what do we call this now? Because we can't call it Indian pickup because it's just not right. So we did a little thinking. I did a little thinking anyway. And I've either come up with the Haudenosaunee handle. You with me? Okay, maybe it's something a little shorter. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, 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 I'm up for suggestions here because I want it. Like it's something that I think needs to have a name because it happens but, all the time. But I want it to be. I want it to pay homage to the First Nations or the Indigenous because they are the creators of the loose ball pickup. But I want put it, it on social media. Yeah, yeah, I might because do that. Because think about it when we're talking about the Dixon. One hand, yeah, the jo- shot, the, the beyond, behind, the, the beyond, right, right. That's where it came from with social media. Somebody suggested it, right? Right. Okay, so I, I, I like I, I. That's my maybe. That's my problem is I don't know how to put it out there on social media without calling it something that I don't want to call it. But I hope I'm hoping people understand where I'm coming from saying it because that's what we used to call it. It was just what we used to call it back when I was young. So. I'll figure out a way, or maybe you can, to, to put that poll out on, on Twitter, and we need to come up with a new name for that loose ball pickup. We talked about Glenn Clark going to Burnaby. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to mention here, Evan, we saw the National Lacrosse League has signed a couple of deals lately with Evo Shield and Warrior re-upping with the NLL. And I just want to give a shout-out to Kevin Morgan, who is the man behind acquiring all these properties for the National Lacrosse League. I think I haven't met Kevin before, but he's behind these, Evan, and I think this guy has been making some real strides as far as partnerships in the NLL goes. And I just I think Kevin deserves a shout out for the job that he's been doing so far. If they want games to go to television and they want television stations to realize there's a big enough revenue base, another thing that's gotta come along with it is where are the advertisers coming from, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, last year they picked up Geico, which you, you might think, you know, what does car insurance have to do with lacrosse? But you know what? It's a massive pickup, and it's a, it's a name that Americans realize right away. Even Canadians probably seen the commercials a hundred sure. times over. Yeah. So it's important to get these things in place. Yeah, and he's done a great job of it. So I just wanted to recognize Kevin Morgan and the work that he has been doing. Training camps are just a couple of weeks away. We're going to continue our Stampede Tax season previews for the next few weeks. Uh, As we go in alphabetical order here, Evan, New York and Philadelphia are coming up next week for episode Number 50. We've gone really long here today. We appreciate you sticking with us. Thanks to Kurt Styers and Rich Lisk for coming on the program. 
to our fabulous sponsor. Speaking of advertising, we're uh, we're in the market for a sponsor or two. If you like this podcast, you own yourself a company, you want to do some advertising, get at me. You can do so via PXP, the number four sports, at gmail.com, at Twitter, at Instagram, Snapchat, Skype me, Xbo- you name it, PXP for sports is where you can find me. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring the program, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, for Kurt Stars, Rich List, for you, the loyal listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified every single week, thank you. Follow us along at social media, at Shimlax, at PXP for Sports. The show is at Lax Class or Lacrosse Classified on the old Instagram there as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on every platform you could ever think of to find your podcast. Search Lacrosse All-Stars. You're going to find Lacrosse Classified right there. And then just subscribe to the podcast. It goes straight to your phone every single week. Because we bring it to you every Tuesday at 3 p.m. right here via the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. But now, episode 50 is over. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Kelly, And for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network.